Hey, thanks for listening to Sprawlcast. If you value the in-depth Calgary journalism that our team does, please pitch in to support it. The people who support the Sprawl share one thing in common. They care about this city and its future. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably do too, so we'd love to have you aboard. I'm asking for just 5 or $10 a month to support the work that our team does. It's money well spent. I think Calgary would be worse off without the sprawl. So pitch in to support it. You can sign up at sprawlcalgary.com. The next stop, Sprawlcast. You're listening to Sprawlcast. My name is Jeremy Clausus, and I'm the editor-in-chief of The Sprawl. And Sprawlcast is an urban affairs show for curious Calgarians who want more than the daily news grind. This show is made in collaboration with CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary, and we are broadcasting slash podcasting from Treaty 7 territory. We go deep to bring you local stories you won't find anywhere else. Stories like this one. If you look at all the world-class cities, transit is one of the backbones. But fundamentally, if you prioritize a primary transit network, you won't have as much coverage. And so it will be harder to reach some of those nooks and crannies of the city. I'm I'm actually worried for the system and worried for our members as to when they're going to catch up. It was supposed to be the cornerstone of Calgary's transit system, a primary transit network of high-frequency service. It would include LRT, BRT, that's bus rapid transit, and other busy bus routes. And on this primary transit network, C trains and buses would come every 10 minutes. And this frequency would change how we get around Calgary. It would get many of us out of our cars. It would incentivize more Calgarians to take transit instead of driving. A decade ago, this plan was heralded as a new vision for a rapidly growing city that had been largely built for the car. A city that was stuck on sprawl and trying to change direction after the fact. But today, the reality of that vision is nowhere to be seen. Calgarians are still stuck at the bus stop, waiting for a promise that has not arrived. We've actually moved backwards on key transit metrics over the years, and not just because of the pandemic, either. Even before that, our previous city council made decisions that thwarted what little of the primary transit network we had. And the city's newly approved four-year budget for 2023 to 2026 won't change that anytime soon, as we'll hear in this episode. The idea of better, more frequent transit is a key idea in numerous city plans over the past three decades, and probably far back beyond that too. Growth plans, transportation plans, climate plans... City Hall loves to crank out these plans and policies, dropping layers and layers of them. They overlap and click together, or don't. It's almost like a giant game of Tetris. And as the blocks pile ever higher and higher, it can start to get ugly. So, is it game over 
for Calgary's primary transit network. Will transit in this city be left to languish, stretched ever thinner as the city continues to grow? Or will we try again and get it right this time? Let's get into it. Let's go back just over a decade to 2011. Route Ahead will combine past and current Calgary transit research and look towards the future of our city's transit system over the next 30 years. Changes are in the works. At the time, Calgary was a city of about 1.1 million people, and City Hall put together a roadmap for the future of transit in Calgary, and they called this plan Route Ahead. How does Calgary Transit evolve? How do we serve our customers? And what will our long-term capital plan be? What will we look like in increments, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years out in the future? This plan came out of other city plans, as these things do. There was the go plan of the mid-90s, imagine Calgary a decade later. And most significantly in 2009, City Council approved something called Plan It Calgary. And Plan It Calgary was made up of two blueprints for the city's future, the Municipal Development Plan, and the Calgary Transportation Plan. This is David Cooper, a former Calgary transit planner who now runs his own transit consultancy. The idea was back when we had Planet Calgary, the first integrated land use and transportation plan, the idea was to start shaping the city around transit, so being the light rail system or high-frequency bus service to provide a level of certainty to developers, provide a level of certainty to the community that you can have a, like almost a turn-up-and-go type system. This primary transit network would be a major shift from what Calgarians were used to. But before we go any further, what is a primary transit network exactly? Frequent and always there. So it's defined as um, having service on a corridor every, every 10 minutes for 15 hours a day, seven days a week. This is Philip Myherkovich, who leads service planning at Calgary Transit. Or maybe another way of visualizing it is when a bus route is coming once an hour, you tend to have to schedule your entire life around the bus route. You know, you pick a certain doctor's appointment because that's when the bus will be able to take you there. When the bus route is coming every half an hour, you can start planning your life around the schedule of the bus route. So, you know, if a 2 p.m. appointment, I have to be on the 123 bus, okay. But if at 10 minutes, the schedule goes out the door. You just leave whenever you need to. And, um, when I was in grad school, that was actually one thing I often found myself making that trade-off. I had a local bus route that was a, a block away from me, came every half an hour, uh, took me to where I needed most of the places I needed to go. But I often found myself walking a kilometer to the central hub because I didn't need to worry about the schedule. I would just go there, stand for a couple minutes, bus would show up, and off I go. Here's how Sharon Fleming, the director of Calgary Transit, described it to city council during budget week in November. The ability to arrive at a stop and not plan your trip with the schedule is what makes transit work for people. Uh, they can be spontaneous. Uh, they can um, make it more of a routine part of their day rather than having to plan ahead. Um, and the risk of misconnections misconnec goes down dramatically when you know that there is a, another bus coming ten, within 10 minutes, right? So, so I think it just changes the game in terms of transit reliability and, uh, and the willingness for people to uh, reduce the number of cars they have in their household or not rely on a car at all. So 
So that's a primary transit network. And the Calgary Transportation Plan that Council approved in 2009 put it at the center of the city's future. Here's a direct quote from that plan. The highest priority for transportation capital and operating investment should be the primary transit network and supporting infrastructure, including walking and cycling infrastructure. End quote. That's what's on paper. The primary transit network was to form, quote, the foundation of the transit system, and there were targets for population and jobs along the route. The idea was that, by 2070, almost half of all jobs in Calgary would be along the primary transit network, along with two-thirds of the city's population. Now, before 2011, none of Calgary Transit's routes could be considered primary transit by the city's definition because they weren't frequent enough. They weren't coming every 10 minutes, seven days a week. But in 2011, the C train started operating at that primary transit level, and so did buses on Centre Street North. So Calgary had part of a primary transit network, the beginnings of one. So far, so good. A Calgary Transportation Plan monitoring report went to Council in 2013, and it flagged the challenges that were ahead if this idea was really going to work. Namely, we wouldn't get a proper primary transit network without a predictable increase in transit service hours. And not just a mild increase either. Those service hours would need to increase at a faster rate than the population. The Calgary Transportation Plan had set a long-range goal of 3.7 transit hours per capita, up from 2.4 in 2012. But by the summer of 2018, as the city struggled with the economic downturn and a resulting drop in transit ridership, there were troubling signs. The city wasn't headed toward its transit goals at all, but away from them. Here's what former Mayor Nahed Nenshi said during a council meeting that summer after looking at that year's Calgary Transportation Plan monitoring report. And that report noted that only 14% of Calgarians lived by the primary transit network. For many years, many of us, including me, have been talking about what I sometimes call the say-do gap. That we're very good at saying the right things. Uh, in terms of what we're aiming towards, and we're not always good at making the daily decisions that actually get us there. And if you read this report uh, well, you'll notice that there's a couple of very key areas where we're never going to get there uh, on the current path. So we've set a goal, but we're actually never going to get there. Uh, that includes the 50-50 population split between developed and developing areas. Um, but for me, the most important one that I noticed is the transit goals. On the number of service hours per capita, we've actually been going down. And even though we are investing very significant amounts in transit, it's not going to get us to where we need to go. The number of transit service hours per capita in Calgary had been trending downward since 2012. And that has continued, exacerbated by the pandemic. Even so, Calgary was still running C-trains at a primary transit frequency in 2018 when Nenshi voiced his concern. But then came the summer of 2019. 
They demanded a break and they got one. Calgary entrepreneurs will see a 10% cut in their property taxes from last year. This comes after an emergency debate at City Hall in the face of what's being described as a tax revolt by small business owners. 71 million will come from reserve funds while $60 million will be cut from the budget. That summer, City Council decided to ease the spiking tax burden on small businesses by cutting elsewhere. 60 million of cuts across city departments, including fire services, the city's Indigenous Relations Office, and transit service hours. Speaking of delays, Calgarians will see those when it comes to public transit. More than 80,000 hours will be cut. When I asked Nenshi later if he had any regrets from his time in office, the cuts from that summer were one of the things he mentioned. Those cuts were a big mistake he said. That decision finished off Calgary's primary transit network. Prior to that, the C-train came every 10 minutes every day, and so did buses on Center Street North, but no longer. And then she gave a telling warning once those transit cuts came into effect in September of 2019. He says they don't want to make too many cuts, as he says if they do do that, people could be afraid to use transit and things could go into a death spiral. Back to you. Death spiral. All right, thanks for this, Matthew. Matthew Conrad reporting from Crowford LRT Station this morning. Well, the primary transit network never recovered. In March of 2020, the pandemic hit. Ridership plummeted. And of course, so did fare revenue. The city laid off 450 transit workers, most of whom were drivers. And the primary transit network's short-lived life was already over. Calgarians elected a new city council a year ago, in 2021, and this council inherited the now-dormant primary transit network. But they also had additional complications to deal with. Low ridership, low fare revenue, the opioid crisis, safety concerns on transit. And all the while, the city has continued to grow outward, straining the entire transit system further. Raj Dhaliwal is one of the new councillors, and he represents Ward 5 in the city's northeast, and he likens his ward to a transit desert. Many of the residents, they are newcomers, they are uh, immigrants, um, international students, frontline workers, uh, people who rely on transit. And... Um, the, what I'm finding out is that we don't have adequate service in Ward 5. Uh, what I call is a transit desert. Uh, that people are there, they want to use transit, but they don't have transit. So what I'm hearing day after day is when is the service coming to Savannah? 59 is there, but it's not um, servicing uh, enough community, uh, enough residents. Same thing in Cornerstone, Cornerbrook, Cornerbrook Meadows. Um, many of these people, they don't have cars, which is great because we want to be less car-centric city, if you want to call it that. Um, and they are looking for more service, but the service is not coming to them. Dollywall likens the Saddletown Sea Train Station in his ward to an oasis in this transit desert. The Sea Train stops at Saddletown, 
And after that, if you look at north of Saddletown, that's where the community is growing. That's where Ward 5 is growing, be it Savannah, be it, be it Cityscape. Um, Skyview is an old com older community relatively now, but Redstone, Cornerstone, these communities are growing. They're growing really fast, not just because of the organic population growth, but because of the migration from other parts of Canada. So when they look at um, what I want to call it, desert, there's oasis. There's oasis, like you said, Saddletown is an oasis. Uh, but when they want to come to these oasis, they don't have enough transit to bring them to those oasis. So sometimes they're walking. Um, someone told me that this person walked about a kilometer and a half just to get to the uh, uh, to the bus service. So that's the biggest problem, that many of these people, they rely on transit as their primary mode of transportation. And if they don't have that, then they are either discouraged to go find employment because there is not enough employment right there. And then second is, some of them are, like I said, they're newer immigrants. It takes time to, for them to get the, the license and all their car license and all that. So it's such an interconnected um, paradigm where they just can't figure out how do they re can rely on transit to get them to from point A to point B. And that's where the discour discouragement comes in because they, sometimes give up and they say, well, there is no transit. Transit is my primary mode of transportation. If there is no transit, how am I going to get from point A to B? Another first-term councillor says there needs to be more conversation about making difficult trade-offs with Calgary's transit system because we've tried to have it all and it's not working. Councillor Jasmine Meehan represents Ward 3 in north-central Calgary. And she says we can't have high frequency, high coverage, and low cost. I spoke with Mian on the Route 124 Evanston bus that runs north of Stony Trail in her ward. And when you look at Calgary Transit and kind of how the system is set up and how it's been set up, you know, over the last five or ten years, what do you see as... I guess the strengths and weaknesses of how it's set up and what what do you see as needing to change? Well, the conversations we've had in the last year is that transit just can't be all things to all people. And when you talk about what kind of transit system you want, you want one with like the most coverage and the most frequency and is free, ideally. You can't have all of those things. Those are trade-offs that compete directly against each other. And what we know from citizens is that the number one thing they want is frequency. They want to be able to show up and not have to worry about like, did I just miss a bus that's not going to come for another half an hour, 45 minutes, but that's going to be here within the next five to seven minutes. Um, but we can't do that all over the city. We can only do that, I think, on a primary transit network or spine. Um, and I think that if we are able to do that, we would probably be able to provide something fundamentally different than what we do now. Um, we have a lot of coverage in the city. Um, we have in the MDP, I think it's, you have to be within 400 meters of a transit stop. That's actually really close. Um, and I think what we're having some conversations of like, would people be willing to walk a little bit further? So like two minutes further um, for a bus that comes every five minutes instead of every half an hour. 
Um, I think that those are the types of conversations we need to have, but none of those changes are easy. If you have a bus station or bus stop right inside your house right now and you're gonna lose that feeder route in order to prioritize something that's ultimately maybe better in the long term, that's a hard decision for those residents to accept. Definitely. And, and so what is the trade-off, you know, that primary transit network you talk about having that spine with frequent service? Um, so they're, you know, theoretically under that scenario, you have good transit in those places. What is the, what is the trade-off there? So I think the trade-off would mean fewer feeder routes into neighborhoods. Um, it would... It would serve the city equitably, like in terms of the fact that it would go into the, each quadrant of the city the same, but it, it would mean that there are some gaps in other parts of the city. Um, and I think the other, there are, the other benefit of it, I guess, is that you have an opportunity for better alignment with some of your planning goals. And so your transit-oriented development, making density decisions around, one of the complaints that we will hear that I think is justified from citizens in, in public hearings is, you're making a decision to allow density here on the basis, or partially on the basis that there's transit nearby, but that bus only comes once an hour. Um, it's a fundamentally different conversation if that bus comes every five minutes. And so what about the equity side of it? Because, you know, if we think of that, well, let's back up. Uh, what do you think of as being that primary transit network? Am I right of thinking of, of it as the C train line, uh, you know, Center Street, the number three, all that stuff? Yeah, the transit department's in, in the process of sort of contemplating exactly what that spine would look like, but it would include all of those things. Um, and it would be equitable in so far as like, it's not going to benefit one part of the city more than another, but it certainly benefits the folks who live along the line more, um, but that's already the case and it's already true. But then, okay, um, like one thing, one aspect of that is that, you know, the C train line, along the C train line, lots of people are going downtown. It feeds into downtown. So that network in a way serves, you know, not exclusively people going downtown, but a lot of people going down, downtown versus if you are a shift worker or you are, you know, traveling off peak at off peak times and not going downtown where you have to kind of do these awkward cross town trips um i know that's that's something that's very challenging for a lot of people yeah i, I agree with that um and i think that a primary transit network probably could serve some elements of that if, if we understood the patterns well and that will be some of the decisions I think that are have to made at that time but fundamentally if you prioritize a primary transit network you won't have as much coverage and so it will be harder to reach some of those nooks and crannies of the city on that type of system. And then what happens to those nooks and crannies like I know Calgary has experimented with you know transit on demand and, and, and different things like that. Yeah, I mean, this will fundamentally come down to what we think about with the MDP and what we're willing to live with and, and how far away from a transit stop everyone has to be. Um, those are all to be contemplated. I'm not exactly sure, but I, I mean, just by principles alone, I think it would mean that there are places that are less served by transit than they are now. I guess the argument would be made is like, if they're already only coming once an hour, like, is that better or worse than it not coming and you have to walk a little bit further but that comes every five minutes like that's the type of values-based decision we're making i think that we should move more towards that direction just because 
of the rapid growth that the city has had um, and the fact that I just think we should try and do some things really well than do everything at a not particularly great level. Um, but that's not an easy conversation to have. And I'm sure once faced with, uh, you know, if a route were to get taken away from my residence I'm, and they're talking to me directly about, hey, I use this route to go to school. I use this route to get to my job. That's not going to be an easy trade-off um, when you personalize that decision at all. It sounds good in theory, but in um, in reality, it's very painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about the revenue side of it? Um, the, the way it's set up now, the system is very heavily reliant on fair revenue and, and kind of designed, well, I don't know, to an extent designed around that. Um, how do you see that and how do you see that changing? So uh, it's been the case that transit is a 50% cost recovery basis. And so that makes it extremely hard because you might, it's a chicken and egg problem. You want to have a better transit system, uh, but you need the revenue to be able to support that. You can't get the revenue unless you improve the transit system. So um, moving away from that metric entirely, I think there's an appetite on council right now to just get away from that. I mean, it's something we don't hold most of our services to. We certainly don't do that with roads. And that's, um, I'm not suggesting that we start having toll routes everywhere across the city, but I think um, if we had had that from the beginning, you could make comparisons of apples to apples between maybe transit and and roadways. You just can't do that because they've never been uh, prioritized the same way or uh, funded the same way. Speaking of transit revenue, Calgary Transit's ridership has now rebounded to just over 80% of pre-pandemic levels. But not all riders rebound equally. That's made clear in a new report on the effects of the pandemic on Calgary Transit's fare revenue. The researchers found that while children's fares and low-income passes rebounded to pre-pandemic levels by the end of 2021, adult fares have been a lot slower to pick back up. Adult fare revenue was already low before the pandemic due to the economic downturn. The pandemic basically exacerbated a trend that was already there, an increasing reliance on children's fares and low-income passes, and a decreasing reliance on adult fares. Wen Shuang Yu is a PhD student at the University of Calgary and one of the report's authors. It, it, it confirms that uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of reg, uh, adult regular users, the don't they don't actually want to go to the office therefore they don't they won't buy uh the monthly passes or if they uh, uh even if they go to the office it won't be uh it might not be full time uh therefore they they just drive or it, which might be easier but of course driving isn't an option for everyone and you can see this in the data as riders who use the low income transit pass return to Calgary Transit in force uh, it's not surprising because for them, like uh, they have uh, fewer options. Uh, they might not have a car. They might not be able to drive. Uh, therefore, they have to take the, the public transit. Uh, so uh, the recovery rate is higher for them. Okay, so that brings us to the present moment. Calgary City Council just approved its new four-year budget and is set to revisit City Hall's route ahead strategy in the coming months. Will this breathe new life into the primary transit network? Well, transit did come up again and again during the budget public hearing. I'm asking you to fund 10-minute frequency at least 15 hours a day across the city in the next four-year budget. 
In looking at Calgary Transit's capital budget, how you bring the primary transit network to the greatest number of people must be your number one criterion for investment. Sprawl disproportionately affects women. As primary caregivers and shoppers, women in the suburbs are isolated and face barriers to fully realizing their potential and contributing to the city's economy. Women are missing affordable, low-maintenance, multifamily housing served by rapid transit. City Council decided to freeze transit fares at 2022 levels rather than hiking them. They're also making transit free for children 12 and under, using some surplus city funds to do this. But what about the primary transit network? Here's what Calgary Transit Director Sharon Fleming told Council during Budget Week. She emphasized that Calgary Transit is facing a driver shortage right now of more than 800 transit operators. So we have a situation where we haven't really recruited very much in the last four years. We have high attrition due to retirements and... um, We're looking at ramping up our training capacity so that we can push through uh, the recruits that we need for next year just to return to 100% service as of 2019. After that, uh, we are through this budget, we do have some additional investments that we're looking forward to take, adv- take advantage of. Uh, we did get a lot of capital investment as part of this budget, so we're really um, looking forward to taking advantage of some of the reliability of our fleet that will enable us to provide better service levels. Um, uh, but uh, we won't probably be able to really invest in um, significant increases in the PTN until at least two years out. When Fleming says PTN, she's referring to the primary transit network. What we're we're planning to do is to use the route ahead strategy ideas um, that are coming to council first in December and then in Q1 of 2023 uh, to eventually roll out an implementation plan and then return to council um, either next year or at mid-cycle adjustments to really push forward that strategy and bring it forward to council to make a decision. One of the narratives that was nudged forward during Budget Week was that this isn't a budget issue, at least not now, due to the driver shortage. Here's Councillor Meehan and Fleming. I I just want to ask this question really clearly for the public, which is, if I were to just write you a check right today, um, would that solve the problem that you're facing right now? Um, no, uh, we would ha- we would certainly be able to put a major push on recruitment, uh, but the, uh, it, it's, it takes time to recruit operators, to train operators, and then there's the associated fleet that goes along with uh, equipping those operators to provide the service. So there's a lot that goes into that every day. Um, but, I mean, could we write a check in a few years? Absolutely. We have quite a push this year uh, to not only train our trainers, uh, but to train the operators through into 2023 so that we can return to service 100% of 2019 service by year end. Okay, and do you have the budget to do that? We do. Okay. I reached out to the transit union about this shortage, the amalgamated transit union Local 583. And President Mike Mahar said it's a real issue right now. Not only is Calgary Transit understaffed, but the drivers that are there are overextended. They've been running, you know, on overtime and and uh, often forced overtime, and running a, you know, running a a, a crew that's 
that's been suffering through a pandemic for two and a half years. You know, it takes a long time to uh, to train up a, a transit operator. I mean, you can't just, you know, put out a posting and and have somebody on the job, you know, two weeks later. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a lengthy screening. There's there's all the um, you know vulnerable sector searches and all of those things. So it takes months to just to screen through after they've put out a posting to hire. Uh, then when they've made their final selection and they'll hire a dozen people, uh, you know, seven or eight of them will make it through the training. Uh, and so they've lost quite a few then. And then a number of them, you know, after they've been on the job for a little while, you know, find that it wasn't for them. So this is an issue that goes beyond Calgary transit and beyond the city itself. There's a province wide shortage of school bus drivers right now. Mahar pointed out that the city's decision to lay off hundreds of drivers at the start of the pandemic didn't help. And so when they started chasing the eight ball, you know, that ball was halfway down the table. And I don't even know. I'm, I'm actually worried for the system and worried for our members as to when they're going to catch up because now we're heading right back into flu season. And, and uh, you know, again, the absenteeism is going to, going to spike it it's, it's it's so predictable it does it every year and by january we'll have you know we'll have you know 200 250 operators off on any given day for because of the flu and those types of things so what does all of this mean for you there's talk that the route ahead refresh will focus heavily on the primary transit network and if that's the direction that the transit system goes you might experience better or worse service depending on where you live. That's already happened to a point as the city builds up and focuses on its BRT network. I can use my own situation as an example. I used to be able to take the Route 19 bus from my house in Renfrew to the University of Calgary. One bus all the way there. But when the Max Orange BRT route was introduced in 2018, my route now had me walking 15 minutes to the BRT bus stop on 16th Ave. I asked Calgary Transit Planner Philip Myherkovich about this specific situation. BRT, it's a good thing. Uh, but now if I want to go to the university, I'm taking a bus to, you know, the Lions Park LRT station, or I'm walking 15 minutes uh, to the max line. So, so I'm curious about about those kind of exchanges uh certainly and i think maybe i can uh, reach to uh, some of our design uh, network principles uh, even starting with route ahead where there is a direction that we should be moving more towards a connective network versus a duplicative one uh, and also that uh, our routes should be more direct um, and kind of straight and that we're willing to trade off perhaps a little bit more walk distance for routes that are faster to get you to your destination and I think that's, uh, you see both of those elements at play in this specific example that you're showing. That, yes, you might have a slightly longer walk to get to Max Orange than you would to, say, Route 19. Uh, but Max Orange takes you to your destination faster, uh, for most people, than Route 19 would. For the record, it's not a slightly longer walk in my case. We're talking about a 15-minute walk versus a 5-minute one. But anyways, the point is more changes like these are likely coming, and they're not always easy. Councillor Peter DeMong pointed this out earlier this year. Council was discussing the citywide growth strategy, 
And part of that strategy is two new BRT projects that are meant to connect industrial areas with residential areas. You're trying to create an, a, a, an efficient system, ostensibly, to get people to work. But if you don't have the buses on the other end dropping them off at the residences or picking them up in the mornings at the residences, what use is there? I mean, I, I'm hard-pressed to put $20 million of op costs into a new couple of BRT systems when Ward 14 just got their, 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 their transit slashed. I, I can't say that I'm impressed. You're expanding BRTs over in places that we don't even know they're going to be required or used, and you're basically thinning the peanut butter on, on, on everywhere else in the residences. So if you want people to use buses, give them some bus service they can use. Basically, get ready to do more walking, unless you live right by LRT or BRT. Calgary Transit Director Sharon Fleming also suggested this when I spoke with her. She worked for the City of Toronto up until 2018. So one thing that I, I learned from my experience in Toronto is I was willing to walk quite a while to get to a service I knew was regular and frequent. So I wouldn't have to worry. You didn't have to check a schedule. You could just walk and you knew a bus would be there within five to ten. Uh, whereas once you need to start looking at a schedule and, and, and there are very specific times, it does serve a purpose, but it doesn't um, give you the freedom to make different choices and where you're going to go on the fly or um, uh, transfer to locations perhaps that might otherwise be a little bit more inconvenient, but now you can do it because you know that there's a frequent reliable service that you can transfer to as well. And then what about the accessibility side of that? Like, you know, some, some if I think of myself, sure, I can walk 15 minutes up to the BRT. Um, but if, you know, thinking of people who have different disabilities, mobility issues, uh, that's not an option. So, so then where do they fit into the picture? Well, we have specialized transit services for people with mobility issues, right? So um, while we hope to be able to provide them with traditional service, if that's not an option for them uh, they, and they qualify for the specialized service, whether it be for the entire trip or for the linked trip, so they can do a partial trip just to get to the primary transit network, um, that, that's an option as well. Fleming is referring to Calgary Transit Access, which you need to book at least one day in advance. In any case, it looks like we're not getting a primary transit network anytime soon. It remains a vision, as it was when City Hall first introduced the idea over a decade ago. So now what? Well, David Cooper, the former Calgary Transit planner, told council during budget week that there are things the city can do in the meantime, specifically with off-peak cross-town service, like the BRT routes. A lot of cities have moved towards a 15-minute network, which is really a realistic opportunity and incremental way to get to PTN. Off-peak transit service is heavily relied upon by transit-dependent uh, Calgarians. So this includes women, seniors, youth, uh, newcomers, low-wage workers, and members of the BIPOC community. And the work I've done nationally, women take more, and the research we've done is women take more trips in the off-peak, they take more frequent trips, they trip chain, and also more localized trips. One of the things that is very challenging here in Calgary, which is a policy decision that was made a long time ago, 
is you have decided to have a coverage-based service. You know, we try to hit every nook and cranny of the city within 95% of residential units that have access to transit. And it's really hindered our ability. And GM Morgan has heard this analogy from previous staff of the peanut butter on toast, where you, you take so much peanut butter, you only can put on so much toast, where you may taste it in one part of the piece of toast, but then it gets really thinned out in others. And the challenge here is that there is an ability to recalibrate service it requires engagement. It requires a lot of work uh, at the council table on this to really see how we can get the most transformative investments within the budget you have. There is strong policy rationale to have a, pr a primary transit network, but if we're not providing that, we need to find an incremental way to get there to better serve the transit needs of Calgarians. And this could be implemented very quickly in 2023, dependent there, the vehicles are there, it's off-peak service, there's no capital, uh, there's staffing is, is one issue, and, and that's something you see from across the corporation, across sectors, but uh, this could be done quite easily. Thank you. End of line. Thanks for listening, and see you again soon. listening to Sprawlcast. My name is Jeremy Clausus and I'm the editor-in-chief of The Sprawl. This story is part of our transit edition. We're focusing on public transit in November and December. And you can read more on our website at sprawlcalgary.com. There you can find a transcript of this episode. And make sure to check out our other transit stories too. Our comics artist Sam Hester has been doing a comic a day about different transit rides in Calgary. And our urban affairs writer, Jimena Gonzalez, looked at the experiences of captive Calgary transit riders. And that story really struck a chord. Within a few days of it being published, it was already the most read sprawl story of 2022. So make sure you check out Jimena's story, Sam's comics, and we've got more transit stories coming too. So stay tuned for those. The old news clips you heard on this episode were from Shaw TV, CTV News, and Global News. You heard the reporterly voices of Lisa Wolanski, Tara Nelson, Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Tomasia de Silva, and Matthew Conrad. This episode was edited by Mike Todd. Our theme music is by Dan Agostino and Kenny Murdoch. Our C-Train narrator is Holly McConnell. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Hey, before you go, I want to ask a quick question. If you're a Sprawl member and you appreciated this episode, would you pass it along to one other person who you think might be interested? Even just in a text message, just pass along this podcast. The more people we can get listening to Sprawlcast, the better. And if you're not a Sprawl member yet, can I ask you to please consider becoming one and supporting the in-depth journalism that our team does. We're committed to digging into local stories like this one, but we need your support to keep at it. And I'm just asking for 5 or $10 a month. Please consider supporting our work. You can sign up at sprawlcalgary.com.